Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At, the time she be, at that time, she became ill and died. When they washed her, they laid her in, an up, in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with a request. Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went to them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside. Then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes and seeing Peter sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. The word of God for the people of God. I want to start this off that saying, I'm going to refer to this beloved lady by her Greek name of Tabitha rather than her Aramaic name of Dorcas. I had a two or three times great-grandmother named Dorcas, and I always was a little interested on in why anyone would name their child that. No offense to anyone who may have a family member with, a, with that name. I was not at all shocked to learn that this name was biblical, but I was surprised to learn that the same woman with the same accomplishments and the same love and support was also called Tabitha. And when given the choice between Tabitha and Dorcas, my relations chose the latter. Again, no disrespect, but give a poor girl a chance. Coming from a girl who shares the same name as a cartoon mouse, I tend to want to defend victims of such decisions. <clears throat> Acts is often referred to by scholars as Luke Part Two or Luke the Sequel. The same author that wrote Luke's account of the life of Jesus also wrote the Acts of the Apostles. Luke's account of the life of Jesus, uh, excuse me, it is possible that the one, at one time it was one large writing, but that when the canon was put together about 300 years after its writing, they split it up, one book to tell the life of Jesus and the other to show the works of the Apostles. If the books weren't written at the same time, it is likely that very few years passed between their writings. Tabitha was a disciple of Jesus Christ. Her seemingly insignificant role was actually so important in the greater story that the only time that the feminine form of the Greek word for disciple is used here in the New Testament, it's the only spot. She was a widow, and in those days, in those places, and in that culture, women were not held in high regard or value. A widow had, to, had no one to stand up for, so often she lived on the mar margins of society. Often the widows would band together, supporting each other as best they could. And if the theme from Golden Girls just ran through your head, you're not alone. It seems like there are worse ways to spend your golden years than with, than with, with a bunch of great friends in a tropical climate. 
Tabitha was a do-gooder. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. She was a woman who spent her life serving others, and then she died. But the other widows couldn't stand by that. They called for Peter without really telling him what they needed to see him for. And when he arrived, he was met by a group of mourning widows who were making preparations for her burial. The fact that Luke does not say that she had been anointed yet points to the faith that these women had in this group. They had begun to prep her just in case, but had not anointed her with the burial salts because they knew that Peter would be able to do God's work. And they were right. Peter told Tabitha to get up, and she did. This passage can bring about a few feelings. Standing on its own, it's hard to find any profound meaning. In order to grasp the wave of it, we have to look into early ch earlier chapters of Acts and look at this event in the greater context. Just a few chapters earlier, Peter heals a man at the beautiful gate of the temple. After the healing, Peter used the opportunity to give a sermon to the, po to the people that had gathered. Some preachers, it seems, just can't help themselves. Peter's sermon contained many of the themes of early Christian thought. He told people that he did not heal the man by his own power, but through, only through the power of God, the God of Abraham, Moses, and the Holy and Righteous One, Jesus Christ. It is with this sermon in mind and with those words in our hearts that we read the story of Tabitha. The miracle here is an atypical example of a miracle because Peter does not follow the usual tradition. The crowd is on the other side of the door, so it's not a big show. He does not command her to rise in the name of Jesus Christ, but tells her to get up. It does not make it any less miraculous nor any less the work of God by not creating a big to-do about it. Belief in miracles can be difficult. Not just a modern difficulty, but one that has flowed through the centuries. Not everyone has seen a miracle, or at the very least has not realized that something we've witnessed at the time was a miracle. But as faith has shown us, we do not need to see something to know that it exists. Even in scripture, there is doubt in the occurrence of miracles. There are generally three ideas that come, out, come up when talking about this subject. Paul gives us one thought in his first letter to, letter to the Corinthians. He explains that miracles, as expressions of the resurrection, were among God's ways of launching the new age. And so he says that the resurrection of that since the resurrection of Christ, miracles are no longer needed. Another thought on the subject reminds us that the early church assumed that Jesus' return was coming quite quickly, and that miracles were a sign that that time was drawing closer. As the acceptance of the delay in Jesus' return grew, miraculous events lost their draw and became less often reported. The third thought on the matter suggests that miracles are just as possible today as they ever were, and that the reason people don't see them is because they do not have sufficient faith. I'm not sure I buy into that one. 
The power of God supersedes any amount of faith that someone has. I wonder if it's just that we, as a species, have become too cynical to recognize the work of God when we see it. None of these approaches or explanations is satisfying. The heart of the miracle remains in its meaning. As long as the outcome helps, we'll call it a miracle. Miracles are all well and good, and the raising of Tabitha is certainly a miracle, but the message that I see in this passage is of hope and of healing. Because regardless of anyone's position on miracles, one thing is for certain. The God who created the world and raised Jesus from the dead is still active in the world, bringing healing to the diseased, hoped hope to those in despair and life where death seems to win. The world we live in is quite broad. Though the world's often can seem small, there are so many different interpretations to any given idea. Seven billion people on this earth create seven billion opinions. It's a lot to wade through. Sometimes life seems to hand us blow after blow, and it gets harder to sustain our faith. We get inside our own heads. We talk ourselves into scenarios that contradict what we know to be true. To enter the world that is described in the book of Acts, we do not need to check our ideas at the door, but we absolutely must accept the assumption that God is still working through the Holy Spirit in the lives of people and in society to restore this broken world. We live in a world where we know the story of Humpty Dumpty. I saw a cartoon once that depicted him as an egg, so that's always how I think of him. We live with this assumption that Humpty Dumpty will never be put back together again. But when we read the book of Acts, such an impossible task becomes possible. Acts lets us know that those who recognize the way to the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, we are empowered to turn this world upside down. For God, there is no impossible task. So also in Acts, we are met with communities empowered by the Holy Spirit who are not content with the status quo, communities that share their conversion stories, that share their healing stories, and tell of life after death. Tabitha became ill, and she died. We all know all too well what that is like. We are drawn to healing because brokenness is such a huge part of our lives. At the time of Tabitha's death, the community rallied around her, making a communal intercession for healing. They hoped with all of their might that she would be healed. Through our prayers and the prayers of those around us, so often we are able to overcome our brokenness. This text is not about Tabitha or about Peter but about the community that came together and yearned and hoped for a different outcome. As a congregation that believes in the hope brought by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we believe that God can, do, can outdo the limits of birth, life, and death. We do not know how things are going to work out. We do not hold the keys to all of our futures. 
We do know that God's will, as it pertains to us and our loved ones, just as the widows did not know God's will when it came to Tabitha. Excuse me, we do not know. But they hoped and they prayed. When we pray for those we love, there's a difference between praying for a cure, which dictates to God our desired outcome, and praying for healing, which comes in an infinite number of ways. We have been hit a lot lately. By the time we round into the last week of May, I will have completed five funerals since the end of March. I don't know why Tabitha was chosen to be revived and others are not. I don't know why my friend Megan died at the age of 26 and I didn't. I don't know why healing for one person means that they get to continue in their earthly bodies and for others healing means a release from a body that has betrayed them. That is truly a difficult part of my job. I don't know why. But our hope and our faith rely on the knowledge that God knows why. God has a different value system than we do. And at times I find that to be the most comforting thought of all. 